Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Andrew, we're back. It's just me and you. Last men standing. And Rob as well. Rob's in the shadows. It's good to be back, Jim. How are you? You must be absolutely knackered from your drive at the weekend. I am, absolutely. You did keep me happy and engaged via voice notes, which you can do on your car. Yes, you can do voice notes on your car, singing a bit of Oasis up the road. But in answer to your question, yes, Andrew, very tired, but some massive news coming out this week, and we're going to talk about a load of it on the show. Lewis Rees-Summit to the NFL. We're going to get into a little bit about that, Andrew. Also, Harry Ballander as well. I'm a big fan of him. Massive news, and there's other things we're going to cover as well. We're going to chat about the Six Nations squads, the new captains for each team as well, and there's a couple coming out of Scotland. We're going to have Jack Willis on as a guest, the Toulouse turnover maestro, and then we're going to be chatting through all things Champions Cup as well from the weekend. Massive weekend of rugby. So everyone, settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Andrew, do you want to talk a bit about UFC or not? Because it's gone viral after my interview with the great Drickus Dupacy. How good? Well, we should probably rewind the clock and talk about how you got to watch the UFC. And if we rewind it further, your trip to South Africa over in Pretoria, and I put the video out back on Twitter, didn't I? When you've given the most feeble kick in the world to his shins and then, oh, sorry, sorry, Drickus, sorry. But as you say, Jim, the foundations, you laid the foundations of all things good with Scotland rugby. You laid the foundations at Saracens to go on and win multiple titles. And now you've laid the foundations for Drickus Duplessis to go and take the world title in the UFC with the most feeble kick in his leg ever. He's filled you in and then he's gone and absolutely dominated Strickland as well. I say dominated, it was on points, but how good? It was unreal. And I know we are a rugby podcast. I completely get that. But Drickus Duplessis is, quote, the springbok of the UFC. Big rugby fan. You saw all the South African rugby last. Rassi Erasmus after his fight at the weekend. And it was awesome to spend a bit of time with him in South Africa. There's big crossovers between, well, I think the UFC in terms of what they do and how they promote things and how we want to try and do things as well. So, yeah, I spent some time with Drickus in South Africa. I was a huge part. I got a FaceTime from him and his dad and his agent and stuff like that when they're on the piss in Canada after just saying thank you so much for everything you did for Drickus in the lead up to the fight. Really? You, know, you conditioned the leg. Really? No. Look at Rob. <laughs> Rob. Rob's looking. Rob's like, oh, really? I love him at that point now where it's Rob's looking thinking that that could have happened. No, it bloody didn't happen, but it was wicked. It broke up a little bit of ruggers at the weekend because I got asked to go. Like they asked, like the, well, I say asked, I invited myself to Canada to do the ring walk with them. I was like, I can't. I'm in Leicester. I'm in Leicester doing the big gym show. I ain't coming to Canada. So rugby till I die, but I do love UFC, Andrew. 
how did you watch it then, Jim? Because as we've spoken about, you had a 16-hour drive back from Leicester to Edinburgh after the game, and we're messaging back and forth on voice notes because you can do that in your cars. And I'm back on my sofa at nine o'clock at night. Yeah, you're not home till about two in the morning. And the fight was on at what time? Four or five? It was four or five, yeah. So I, as much as I love it, I had to go to bed for a few hours. But that's commitment, right? I like driving. I've been flying loads. I get the train now and again, but I don't like trains. The toilets are so shit, no pun intended. Like horrible, <laughs> horrible traveling on the train. But I generally fly, but I decided to drive this time because talk about nostalgia being back at Leicester. But I used to do that drive when I was at Leicester as a youngster driving up to Scotland in the old Isuzu pickup truck with your knees round by your ears. But yeah, you kept me alive, Andrew, and then you must have fell asleep because you started ignoring me voice notes. So <laughs> I got Oasis on. I've got the head straight out the window on the last bit. I am absolutely hanging, but safe to drive. Safe to drive, everyone. But Oasis got me through. I even sent you a video of me singing Oasis, didn't I, Andrew? You did, you did. Did you open it? I did, How yeah. good's the voice? Well, I opened it. Be honest, no, how good? Terrible, mate, terrible. Karaoke's not your thing, is it? You look great, no, but not the karaoke. Not. And then, obviously, the fight was good fun, eh? Absolutely awesome. Well, you know what I love most about the UFC? And you can't speak about it too much, but they don't care. Like, they are what they are. It's entertainment first. And I take a lot of what they do and try and bring it into a bit of rugby. But talking about entertainment and other sports, the sport leading the charge in that space, and it has done for years and years and years and years and will continue to do so, the NFL. Yes. Lewis Rees Summit, Harry Ballander, Andrew. I didn't see it coming. I heard whispers about Lewis Rees Summit. I thought maybe at the end of the season, I know he was talking to Japan. There was talk of him looking in France as well. Chat to a few agents. I know how the process works about getting into this international player pathway. But I know you're happy with him taking the leap and potentially being part of the NFL and making millions of pounds. Yeah, I, well, it's not a money thing. Because in reality, if it was a money thing, he could have taken the biggest offer he had, which was in Japan. There was French clubs after him as well. And I look at it and I go, he's 22 years of age. He's got a load of caps of Wales already. He's a British and Irish lion. And if you look into the history of his family, his dad played American football as a kid growing up. Now, he wants to go and chase a dream. And a dream for him is making the big time of the NFL. And yes, all the money that comes with that is great. But he's also taken a massive risk on his own side of not earning probably a, even close to a quarter of what he'd earn in rugby if he just stayed in his comfort zone. Talk about comfort zones. He's taken himself completely out of his comfort zone. I've been messaging him back and forth. And he's saying that he's got 13-hour training days. Now, Jim... Go back to when you and I played. We'd moan if we were out there for longer than three hours, right? He's doing it for 13 hours, and it's a hell of a commitment. Yeah, but you say that, Andrew, like 13 hours in Florida or three hours in Leicester when it's absolutely pushing it down. <laughs> I'd be happy to stay 13 hours out. Yeah, but I'm really impressed by him wanting to take a risk like that and chase his dream. And there's a load of naysayers come out and, and shouted and said, oh, you know, what a bad look that is on rugby because they can't keep hold of Lewis Rees Summit. He could have stayed in rugby so easily and played for Wales week in, week out in the Six Nations, gone to Japan, probably earned half a million quid in yen. So that's a lot of yen. We're talking millions there, but it's only half a million quid probably. But he's taken a risk and he's going to put himself under pressure. The spotlight's going to be on him. But this, to me, is an opportunity. We've got the World Cup in 2031 in the USA. We have got a global superstar of rugby in terms of his persona and what he's achieved and who he is going to try out and make it in the NFL. 
And we should embrace that and try and jump on the bandwagon a bit and say, listen, rugby's a great game that produces athletes. So let's see him go. Let's see him and, and hope he does well. He may well come back in a year's time, two years time, three years time, whenever. And we want to embrace him back into our sport if he goes down that path. But I also hope he doesn't come back because if he doesn't come back, he's made a success of a massive gamble in his own life to go and chase a dream and that is making the NFL and how good would it be to see Lewis Reesamit at any team you want and being successful I think it's a brilliant thing for rugby because it would really stick rugby on the map around an actual top tier international coming to the NFL from rugby and the spotlight would shine on rugby because of that so I think it's a brilliant thing fair play to him anyone that disagrees with it give your head a wobble and try and back him and wish him all the best I think Hundred percent. And you talk about like the financial incentive. So chatting to a few people and chatting to a few kind of agents about firstly how the process goes, whether or not you apply, whether or not you get scouted. There's a bit of that, right? So you can put yourself into that. They'll come and watch you. They've already done a little bit of training to have a look at how athletic they are to be able to see if they can cope with the ten week program that they're going to go into in Florida. I think it's starting next week yeah. or now. I know they're on the way over now, but the incentive's there. So if they make it into a practice squad in the NFL, which could happen at any point during that training camp, they could get handpicked out of that. All the scouts will be there from the clubs. So they'll be like, mate, you've got this kid, Lewis Reesam, you need to come and have a look at him. One of the owners could come in and say, I fucking want him. Yeah. I love his teeth. I love his hair. I love the fact that he speaks with his mouth closed and he, anyone else can do that. He's, a van, he's basically a ventriloquist when he does it. But I'm going to give him $215,000 because that's what they get. So yeah. just being in the practice squad, that's what Wadey would have got when he went over in an 18-week season, right? So the financial incentive of just making the practice squad is there. I know that the big carrot is the tens and hundreds of millions of pounds that they can make. But if they get put onto the roster, that's where the big money comes. They get three quarters of a million pound. For an eight-week season. Dollars. So, dollars. Don't forget I work in foreign exchange. Same as a pound. It's not, mate. It's yeah, not. you are. But what is it? One to the one or not? Uh, no, What's better? One twenty-seven. One pound equals one dollar twenty-seven cents. One twenty-seven. When I went a few years ago, it was $2.5 to the pound. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I've come back. I've co- I swear to God, I've come back with one. 50 pairs of boxers. It was two to one. Two to <laughs> one. Yeah, but yeah, round it up two and a half. And yeah, I came back with gout as well. But... <laughs> Massive opportunity. Yeah. I, I think a massive opportunity where rugby is, and I agree with you, if he goes there, and again, smart move by Rock Nation who look after him, that in eight years' time, if he does make a success of it, he could come back into rugby for the World Cup, you know, like, as in do another cycle of that. Yeah. So who knows how it can look, but I think it's massive for a game. So you've got him doing that. You've got Harry Malander as well going out in as a kicker. For me, that's the smartest move. Yeah. You ain't taking any contact whatsoever. And what I'm hearing as well with Harry Malander is like they're thinking that he could really, really do something yeah. with it. So you think of his athletic profile, can't play rugby union anymore, got a bad concussion on a pre-season trip in Japan, and then this has kind of come out of nowhere for him. Yeah. So you think about the t- kind of two stories that are close to us, it'd be wicked to see how it unfolds. I just, I, I really hope, really hope that something comes from it for yeah. him. I'm, I'm pumped for Harry Mander as well. I actually went on a England Saxons tour I think it was about 2005, over to Canada. And I was doing a load of kicking practice, playing for England, Saxons, the old A team at the time. And I got approached after one of the games from a Canadian Football League scout and said, do you want to come and do a tryout, man, for our kicking? He said, I've seen you kick the ball, man. You kick it miles. And I'm like, well, I'll just get the belly behind it, mate. And it goes a long way. And I actually tried it. After training one day, he bought a CFL ball down, Canadian Football League ball down. We did some kicking. And they were like, 
come and do a camp with us. And at the time, I was 25, playing for Leicester, playing for England A as well. You know, I didn't have it in me to take the risk. I would drop down to 30,000 Canadian dollars for a year to be a kicker and try and be a kicker. And then they were sort of saying the pathways, if you do the CFL, you do well, then you can get into the NFL. And I'm just like, couldn't take the risk. So all kudos to them all. Cannot wait to see Harry Mander because he kicks it a long way as well. And hopefully they're both a success alongside the other boys that are on the pathway as well. So uh, exciting times. Wish them all the best. And uh, hopefully Lewis Rees-Zamet and his teeth, Harry Malander and his kicking boots will be flying into the NFL as soon as we know it. Well, that brings us on to the Six Nations squad because Warren Gatland, I think he got told the night before, I think Lewis Rees-Zamet rang him the night before and says, mate, I'm out, I'm out of here. And from what I'm hearing, he will spun his Ferrari out of the Gloucester training ground. I don't think it ended well for him there. But he would have had to ring Gats. Gats is looking at his squad thinking, well, I've got no... Fayer Waboso now because he's English. But it's a big shout, is it, before the Six Nations. But the squad's have been announced. Gats will get onto the Welsh one. But England, captain, let's start with that. I knew Jamie George was captain. I just didn't want to share it. Well, I, I kind of thought that's why I didn't put his name in the mix, honestly. Yeah, I, listen, it's a great captaincy decision for me. Continuity, a player that's been in and around the camp for a long time. He's a, first and foremost, you've got to pick a player that's going to start week in, week out. And we know how good Jamie George is. Yes, he's injured at the minute and he'll come back over the next week or so. But what a player, what a bloke. We know the respect that he's got from all the players. He's someone that's loved by anyone that plays with him, against him. And that's a testament to him as a bloke. So as a leader, he's got all the experience of playing under Owen Farrell, being in a successful Saracens outfit as well. And he'll captain the team in his way. Yes, he'll be serious at times but he won't be as serious as Owen Farrell is 100% of the time. So the players will be more relaxed, I think. You know him better than I do, but he puts a smile on people's faces, doesn't he? Playing with and against him. And he's a really good character to have around the group. So I think it's a really good decision from Steve. He's going to be starting. He's you know one of few players that you could probably say right now they are out-and-out out first choice, which you need as your captain. And I think it's really smart from Steve to get him involved. And maybe what Steve lacks a little bit in personality and persona with the players that's where Jamie George could be a real foil for him in terms of bridging that gap of all business and a bit of pleasure as well yeah I love Jamie George love him as a bloke love him as a player as well perfect fit the big thing about Jamie is his emotional intelligence the way that he speaks to referees the way he speaks to players he can manage up he can manage down he's been there he's done it but he's also a man of the people right and I say this with all the love in the world, just aesthetically. Like, you look at him, you'd be like, yeah, I could look like that. I can look like Jamie George. Andy Good, you know where I'm going, oh, man. You look like him. Effectively, very similar body shapes. But do you know what I mean? Like, man of the people, he's someone that you can warm to. So whether or not people like me saying it, it is a fact of it. When you're sat in front of the press and you're doing the media conference and you have them small moments, similar to the UFC, okay, and you're selling the sport, He's a great advocate for rugby. Really, really good bloke. And from an English perspective, going into the Six Nations and Jamie being a good mate, I think it's a big shift and it's a great shift for them to have someone like him who's in the middle of it, who's been there and done it, British and Irish lion, had his ups and downs, understands what Owen Farrell went through, has got the empathy towards different people in the squad. You actually put it all out on paper there probably is no better man to take England forward in yeah, Jamie George. 100%. Well, we've talked about England, Jim. Let's talk about your other country, Scotland. They've gone for two captains. 
Oh, mate, we just do things different. <laughs> I'm shaking that. What did you think when you saw that come out? So the only team in the Six Nations to name two captains. Yeah. What um, did you think? Honestly, I thought it was a ridiculous decision. And, you know, we, we've had okay. we've had Gregor on here and Gregor's a good bloke, but I just never get the whole co-captain thing. Make one guy your captain, back him, have a vice captain. And I don't know whether, it, listen, I'm delighted for Finn. You know, we talked previously on this pod about if Finn has four beers, he's not picked. So, you know, there's been issues with around that with Scotland and Stuart Hogg and the captaincy going back and forth to other people. But Finn has now proved to Gregor and to everyone how serious a character he is, what an amazing player he is, but also what a great person he is to lead by example. So they've gone Rory Darge and Finn Russell. Finn's in the team every day of the week. Why don't you just give him the armband? Yeah, I, I don't get it. And look, I love Gregor. Gregor, I know you're listening in the lead-up to get all the information on how we win the Grand Slam this year. But I was exactly the same. So when I saw it, I just I was like, why? Why are we going down that route again? But I kind of do know the reason why. Maybe not on the co-captaincy, but by not naming Jamie Ritchie at the start. We've had a long history of not been able to know who a captain is and not having natural leaders in the team. Like I mentioned it before, when I was in the squad, they were just making random people captain, like Johnny Gray. Grant Gilchrist was captain when he had no experience of being captain. Like he, Arguably, I think he could have been captain of the Scotland team this time going forward. And you've seen Jamie Ritchie. Obviously, now he's not. His form hasn't been there. He's been struggling with injury. You've got Rory Darge, who was captain against Italy in the Six Nations. You've got Finn, who's kind of been in and out of favour from a personality point of view with Gregor, is now co-captain. There's no other team in the world that have got two captains. And that either shows two things. One, we're innovative, which I don't think it is, but I think it shows that we just don't have natural leadership as in a natural out-and-out leader. The fact that Rory Darge, and I am a huge fan of Rory Darge, you know I've been talking about him. Rob, we're on the WhatsApp group chatting about him as well. I love the bloke. The fact that he's come out and said he's surprised to be named as co-captain. Like I just don't think it should be a surprise. If you're a leader and you're an alpha, which you need to be in a contact sport, like Peter Omani... Ain't surprised, is he? Obviously, I know he's captain. He's got a shitload of caps and everything. So no one's surprised that they saw him. If you're Rory Darge, mate, it's not surprised. But fucking, I'm going to start at number seven. Yeah. I'm going to be captain. I want to I be captain of this team. I've been captain before. But we don't have that. We are a group that are very humble. We don't like to talk ourselves up. We're always the underdogs. But I just knew when he didn't name Jamie Ritchie as captain, I was like, well, he's obviously not captain then, is he? So what does that mean? And then I looked through the squad, Goody, and I was like, well, if Jamie Ritchie's not captain, who's captain? Give it Finn. Well, yeah, you can give it Finn. And that would be a shift. And he's matured a lot. He's been wicked for Bath. Grant Gilchrist has been captain in Edinburgh as well. But I just think it could work. You've listened to what Greg is saying. It's like, right, who's doing the coin toss? Well, one might do the coin toss. One might chat to the referee forward and back so you understand that dynamics but you've seen at Leinster haven't you where you've got James Ryan you've got Gary Ringrose and they have that in the heat of the battle you need one person that is like I'm the man I'm the captain I am the leader and I'm going to take charge I'm making all the decisions and I'm going to be backed by so if it is Rory Darge Finn can come and say Matt I can get this kick All right, Finn you take the kick I've got no issue with that But yeah, I just when I saw it, I was just a bit like, but it might work. And who would have thought the Six Nations just around the corner, eh? In two weeks' time, we got Wales away where 
we've got bloody history of being pumped up before we go there and not doing much. But I'm excited about the Scotland squad. There's obviously players in there that haven't been capped before. There's a few newbies. But in terms of the makeup of the squad, I think we're pretty settled on who we've got. I mean, I thought Jamie Ritchie would have been in. But maybe that makes me think that with form, he's got to earn his way back in. So it may potentially says to me he's not starting the game against Wales. But you've got Jack Dempsey's going to be back. Matt Fagerson's been class since he's been playing. I'd still have Hamish Watson in. You know, is he in the squad if Rory Darge is co-captain? No. But in terms of form, us going into the Six Nations, we're in pretty good shape. Just around the co-captaincy just threw me a bit. Yeah, 100%. But you talk about going to Wales that first game. Warren Gatland, big Warren G., they're all kids. Mate, they're all kids. He's going to smash them. He's named the most inexperienced squad in Wales' history, but also Daffy Jenkins, 21-year-old Daffy Jenkins, a skipper, who's the youngest ever captain of Wales since Gareth Edwards. What are your thoughts on that? Old school. Has he been involved in like 17 Six Nations or something ridiculous like that, yeah. his experience? But Wales, undeniably, are on a rebuild project, aren't they? Warren Gatlin knew that coming in. I think for the World Cup for them, it was about holding the fort, right? Let's just go as far as we can go. Let's patch up all the old boys and let's just fucking see what we can do. Whereas now there needs to be this new era, this next generation of players, which unless you're close to Welsh rugby, which I'm not, you don't know where they're coming from, right? Because the clubs aren't going that well. There's been a big drop off in the kind of community game, in the semi-professional game. But actually, you look at the squad and you look at someone like Daffy Jenkins, 21, as captain, playing at Exeter, captain in there, playing really, really well. I mean, he can't tackle, though. That tackle at the weekend was ridiculously high. Are you joking? <laughs> mate. I am. Do you look at Rob's face. Oh, no. Sarcasm, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, mate. One of the best in the business. How has he been carded for that? Yeah. Mate, he can bang as well. Yeah. Brilliant technique. But you look at the profile of the team, you've got quality players in there that I'm a big fan of, like Aaron Wainwright. He's been hot and cold, but under Gatland, he seems to perform really well. Tommy Raffel as well at Leicester, massive fan of him. Tammy Old Basham, their back row is very good. Jack Morgan, still to come back when he comes back from injury. You've got Adam Beard, British and Irish Lion. You've got Will Rowlands playing well at Racing 92. So there is a mix in that forward pack of a little bit of the old and the new. Yeah. But I will never again speak poorly of Wales. There we under go. Under Warren Gatland, they are never terrible. Yeah. Are they? They always punch way above what they are or what they should be. And they have a game plan, this Warren Ball, the physicality in what they do that's hard to break down. And Scotland, it has been impossible in times to break down. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Warren Gatland, what he does. When you look at the club teams, the Scarlets, the Ospreys are struggling. Cardiff have had some good results and played well, but they're struggling. The drags are the drags. On paper, this shouldn't work, right? But... It's Warren Gatland. He's got Rob Howley back in the mix as well. So the old boys are back together. They know what they're getting. They know what they're doing. Really interesting to see how Wales go. I see what you're doing here, Jim. You're trying to talk Wales up a little bit because Scotland are going their first game and you're a bit nervous, aren't you? Because it's a game that Scotland should win on paper. Yeah. And we might. <laughs> we might. <laughs> it is hard to call. You know it is though, Goody. When you look at Wales, right, and you could some of the players in the squad. Yeah. I'm having to look at them because I can't reel them off. Tom Rogers, Cameron Winnett, Kai Evans. You've got Sam Costello, who's still about 18 years old. So there's names in that squad that aren't rolling off the tongue because yeah. don't know enough about them. Yeah. So if you're looking at that Scotland team going into that first game and you could roll, well, I could roll off 15, 23 of the players of who should start, who's in form, higher profile, we should win that. Yeah. But it's Wales. It's Wales, Scotland. 
and we always struggle yeah. against Wales in Cardiff. So Warren Gatland knows what he's doing. Be interesting to see how the Six Nations goes for them. This four-year cycle they talk about, although Andy Farrell and Ireland, he ain't talking about four-year cycles. I don't believe in four-year cycles. I hate the talk of it, but Wales have to go down that route because there's nothing else for them, is there? There's no other progression apart from bringing youngsters through. Yeah, yeah. Well, sticking with the captaincy theme, James, you mentioned Andy Farrell then. Peter Omani has been made captain of Ireland. He hasn't even got an Irish central contract next season yet. Or a monster deal. Hey, we didn't even name him on the rugby pod. No. So there's a few reasons why we're surprised. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd have given it to Caelan Right Doris. call though. Right decision. When you actually break it down and you look at it, we didn't even chat about it. I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know whether he'd look to carry on, end of a World Cup cycle, whether or not there would be a change of guard. But you can see Andy Farrell, mate. He wants to win the Six Nations, wants to win the Grand Slam. Proven British and Irish Lion. You look at what he's done for Ireland. He's been first choice six under Andy Farrell for the majority of it. I agree. Kelly Miel Doris is probably in Form 8 in the world. Does that make him a captain? Does that make him captain of Ireland? Obviously not. So seems like the right decision. But captain of Ireland, though, like you said, mate, can't get a contract, though. No. Can he get a contract? Well, he probably could get a contract. He just can't get one of these €500,000 <laughs> a year contract plus. Yeah. Central contract. Well, it's interesting development that will happen over the next few months. But to name him as your captain, when you're looking at it from pure rugby terms, Peter Omani... As a leader, yeah, you'd have him as captain every day of the week, right? And also the whole thing around the narrative of how many Leinster players are going to start. I think it's great that Peter Omani and Munsterman will be leading them out. But it does sort of ask a question around the senior management at the IRFU around what you're doing. They obviously haven't agreed a deal at Munster either, you know, how far they're apart in terms of money, but they get the top up with the IRFU contract, central contract as well, don't they? So, you know, he'll wear his heart in his sleeve, he'll punch way above his weight he'll do what Peter Omani does and lead from the front by example for Ireland and he'll be an absolute warrior for them and you hope that that earns him the respect of getting a central contract whether it's for a year or two years or whatever he's playing some good rugby he just can't kick the fucking ball don't kick it Pete do not kick the ball because you've absolutely plum shotted your boy Coombs, haven't you? Andrew, just on that though, say you had the pen to write the checks. I don't even know if they write checks. In Ireland, they're a bit old school and backwards, aren't they? So they're still writing checks. Sorry, Ireland. I love you. Limerick specifically and Cork is a little bit old school. Not backwards. Old school. If you had the pen to write the check, yep. would you be writing a check for Peter Romani for 500,000, €600,000? Euros? When you look at the central contracts that could be offered to other players that are in their prime or near to their prime. And this isn't me being ageist or age profiling. I looked at the World Cup and I saw a natural kind of ending to a few players' careers. And we've seen it with England, right? That's kind of what happens. You announce your retirement on the biggest stage. I'm not saying because Peter O'Malley's got more grey hairs than me, you and Rob put together that he should be retiring. But from a central contract point of view, you can see why they haven't given him one. When you look at the profile of some of the other players that they could give one to. Yeah, I, you know? I understand your argument, but would I get... He's 34. Johnny Sexton carried on till he was 39, did he? 38, 39? Yeah, that's because there was no one else and it was Johnny Sexton. Mate, how much contact has Peter Romani taken? Like, he is contact till he dies. He's 34. Everything's wrapped up, right? You uh, can he, see the pads on the ribs, the pads yeah. on the shoulders, the elbows. That's from his gardening, though, a lot of that stuff. But no, I, I mean, you have to have joined up thinking. So... Do you think Andy Farrell hasn't spoken to you know, the high-performance team and the people that run these contracts at the RFU and gone, you need to give him a contract because I'm making him captain? Like It doesn't add up, does it, at the minute? 
I don't believe that they've not spoken. So I hope that a contract comes, whether it's one year or two years or whatever it is. You cannot have a guy that is captain of your country as picked by the head coach who is, you know, the British and Irish Lions head coach as well. And he's, you know, he's going to be there for a long time. It's not like Faz's job's on the line, is it? He is secure as secure could be. So the joined up thinking is, Surely he's leaning on the powers that be at the RFU and saying, you've got to give him a central contract here. He's my skipper. I don't think you find a more proud Irishman than Peter O'Mahony, right? And that's who you want as your captain. So I think it will get sorted. I hope it will get sorted. Maybe Andy Farrell, by making him captain, has said to his bosses, he's my skips, you better sort this out. And hopefully, you know, Peter O'Mahony will do what he does and, and lead Ireland in a way that's nearly good enough to win the Six Nations, but not quite good enough because they won't come to Twickenham and win. They'll smash Scotland. They might beat France in round one in Marseille. Coming to Twickenham is going to be difficult. So I think they're in a good spot and hopefully Peter Omani's future is sorted sooner rather than later. So this Ireland squad are very good under Andy Farrell, Andrew, as we know. But there's an argument to say that the foundations of how good Ireland are were put in by the great Joe Smith, who now is going to be coaching Australia, which I think is a good move because of his knowledge and his insight into Andy Farrell and the fact that the Lions tour is going to be in Australia in a couple of years and the World Cup is going to be there in four years' time. Chatting to Mac Hansen, he put it out there. Not that he's Australian, but he is because he's gone into Australia for a bit. But he doesn't think a Kiwi should be coaching Australia. Hold on a minute. Mac Hansen, an Australian that plays for Ireland, is saying that he thinks... A Kiwi shouldn't be coaching Australia. Well, his mates do. I think his uh, mates have go. fed him that information. <laughs> He's just feeding it on to me. Yeah. But Joe Smith, big move by the Aussies. Well, yeah. Good move, I think. I think it's a brilliant move. You look at the polar opposite in what they did with Eddie Jones, putting an absolute clown in charge. And, you know, kudos to Phil War and the powers that be at Australia and the Wallabies because they fucked up. Let's be honest. Giving Eddie Jones the job, sacking Dave Rennie, thinking that Eddie Jones was the hero and the best coach since sliced bread, or so he says. Look what he did to the Wallabies. Now, Joe Schmidt, he's got all the experience of Ireland and what he achieved over here. He was involved in the All Blacks at the World Cup. We saw him sat next to Fozzie, didn't we, throughout the World Cup. So he's got intel on that. The British and Irish Lions are coming over in two years' time. And he's a guy that plans meticulously with his cats. The cats are over there. The cats will be everywhere. Oh, gosh. I wonder if... Do you think they would have got over there yeah, in crates yeah, I think, from Ireland? Yeah, I think he flew the cats home as well. So I think it's a really smart move. If you've got a four-year plan, and that four-year plan is the World Cup in Australia in 2027, you need a guy that has been at the coalface and understands different environments, high-performance environments, what he achieved with Ireland, what the All Blacks were doing, and you know, have the respect and understanding of everyone in the game. And I think Joe Schmidt's got that. You know, I'm excited for the Wallabies now. They'll get a whole heap better than they were under Eddie Jones. Let's be honest, they were a joke under Eddie Jones, weren't they, at the World Cup? The whole show around Eddie Jones was just an absolute... It was a disgrace, really, to Australian rugby. So they've gone the polar opposite of that. Joe Schmidt is very reserved. He's very understated in how he handles the press and, and how he handles things. But behind the scenes, I don't think any coaches probably worked harder than he did in his tenure over in Ireland. And his knowledge of the game is second to none. So there's a lot of problems in Australian rugby at club level and all that stuff, grassroots, etc. But in terms of pure wallabies, I think it's a really smart choice. The only thing I'd add to it is I reckon he should get Andy Friend in as well as one of the coaches because we know Friendy, we've had him on here. He's going back to Australia if he's not back there already. 
And I think he'll add a load of value as well. And they know each other from their time in Ireland. So the Wallabies are going to get better and better. They can't get much worse than what they had under Eddie Jones there, can they? We'll leave the Six Nations there, but not completely there because there's a couple of live shows that my partner in crime can't be at. Are you back in Dubes? Are you off to Portugal? Like what? You, you ain't coming. No, I'm not. You've got live shows in Cardiff and in Edinburgh, but I can't make either date, unfortunately, Jim. Well, I'm going to hold the fort for these two only, and then we will rekindle the bromance for any going forward. I promise you that, my brother. But you are right. So there's two. There's one in Cardiff on the 30th of January at O'Neill's. We're going for Mongrel Mob with Alex Cuthbert and the great Scott Quinnell, who could sell you a pencil. Have you seen the fucking dragon? Well, we will do, because we'll be ripping shirt off, mate, so we'll see it. But that's in Cardiff on the 30th of Jan in O'Neill's. And you can get your tickets on eventbrite.com. Just search the rugby pod. But also, it's coming home, Andrew. 22nd of Feb. And I'm going to say it with high energy. I'm going to go low energy now. I've got a shit version of you coming. I've got Chris Ashton. He's coming. <laughs> and I don't really like Ashy. So he's coming to that one at the Pear Tree on the 22nd of Feb. We love the Pear Tree though, Andrew, don't we? We do. To be honest, you're going to miss me for that one. I will, yeah. Well, I miss both of them. I'm gutted I can't be there. But, you know, I'm sure you'll hold down the fort and then we shall rekindle our love. And Ashy will come with his sleeping pills and his diazepam and hopefully <laughs> give him some energy, Jim, because he's going to need it. He's going to need it up there no. in a Scottish hotbed of abuse. Well, hopefully he falls asleep on stage if we don't need to hear off him and I will hold the fort for the both of us. But that show is on the 22nd of Feb and exactly the same. You can go to eventbrite.com and just search the Rugby Pod to get your tickets. I think we've sold out already, but just go on there just in case we haven't, please, so you can get your tickets. So that's Cardiff, 30th of Jan at O'Neill's and it's the Pear Tree. We're going back on the 22nd of Feb. Eventbrite, search the Rugby Pod. So Jim... Huge weekend of Investec Champions Cup rugby has just passed us. Where should we start? Leicester. We were both there. Let's start there. Let's start at Leicester, yeah. What a ding-dong. Awesome. But before we talk about the ding-dong, let's talk about the ding-a-ling-a-ling because we mentioned it at the start of the show, the nostalgia, seeing some old faces. Great to see Harry Ellis. How weird was that that you've got Leicester's second team captain, you've got the highest point scorer, in Andy Goode, and you've got one of the greatest, toughest mother beepers to have done it in Harry Ellis. We're just walking around the stand, walking around the stadium, reliving old stories. My point is, how good was it to see Harry Ellis again? Big shout out to Harry, I know he listens to the show. Yeah, um, let's set the scene. So I've driven into the car park, you're there already, and we've bumped into each other and we've had a hug. We said hello to Nick Mullins, who was on comms as well. We gave him some abuse about Coventry City. Love Nick. Dominating Leicester City last weekend. But... Then we start walking around. Not only did we bump into the legend Harry Ellis, we also bumped in, you talk about hardest blokes to have ever done it, Tom Youngs. And friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, he said he sits on his tractor, listening to the podcast, giggling away. So it was great to see him and his family. And it was brilliant. Like I love going back to Leicester. It brings back old memories that we probably took a little bit for granted when we played there. But I've got to give a massive shout out as well to all the Leinster fans. We're walking in. I forgot how big our podcast is in Dublin. So shout out to all the Leinster fans that listened to the pod and gave us dogs abuse. Ah, goody, you fucking fat fuck. We're going to smash you today, boss. <laughs> Love the pod. I'm like, they're Welsh as well. Yeah. Hang on, they're Irish, Welsh <laughs> yeah. and Pakistani. But it's one of those things, one. like, they, they chuck a, a bit of abuse at you and then they end it with Love the pod. I'm like, okay, you've made up for it again, lads. So it was great walking in there and seeing... All the Leinster fans, the Leicester fans. We had a great reception. I, you know, I genuinely love going back to Leicester for 
the Andy Good suite and everything that goes with it. But it was even more special this weekend because my mucker Jim Hamilton was there doing the Big Jim Show. The Big Jim Show live. I was there for Rugby Pass TV. But Andrew, talking of Leicester, so I smile. I'm speaking quietly in case the family can hear me. So when I get off the M69er, I smile, right? Because yeah. I was on that road many a time coming from Cov. And it's so funny. You watch like the evolution of the human being. So my first car that went down there was a Vauxhall Astra Expression that cost 300 quid off Kamal down the local garage. And it had black smoke pumping out the back. The floor was basically falling out. I had a Renault Laguna as well, which was an RTI, so it was a sports one as well. And there was oil leaking all the way from the M69er at the start of Cov. And then I'm just there in my big wagon. I'm not going to say which one it is, but it starts with a range end and over. And I'm there just driving, smiling from ear to ear, going over the border, chatting to Harry about some of the old stories when we were in a curry shop and we've had this lovely curry and the lads have decided not to pay. And next thing, there's belts being whipped off, there's fish tanks being broken, there's fish being eaten between two Peshwari Nans off the floor. <laughs> Absolute chaos. So many stories for days. We should do a podcast on Leicester stories. I think we've spoken about them on here, but... I think we get cancelled. Yeah, we could get cancelled. I mean, if you have a fight in a curry house, right, yeah. and you're mates with the Met Police, so maybe you can ask them this. So if a big fight kicks off and you don't smash the fish tank, but someone smashes it, if an exotic fish lands on the floor and it's got no glass on it, if you pick it up and eat it between two Peshwari Nams like Luke Abraham did, is that... Animal cruelty? Are you allowed to do that or not? I, I don't think that's play on, James. We'll have uh, why the, the RSPCA after you, or after Luke Abraham, or whoever it was that ate that fish. Or actually, it's probably whoever smashed the fish tank. But yeah, stories from 20 years ago, it was perfectly allowed then. I don't reckon you're getting away with it now, James. He was starving. He hadn't eaten, he said, in about three hours. So <laughs> someone ate the fish. Yeah. Someone ate the fish. I don't think they're doing that now. Obviously, Leicester's got a very different look to it, but we saw Leinster, and it was good to see the Leinster lads, actually. They're a bit cold, though. You know, like as in pitch side, they're not like, I'm looking to have the Sia Khaleesi, the hug, look at me, look at me, the big gym show live, but they're not dead serious. My last interaction with Caelan Doris was him sending me videos from a gymnastic establishment in Las Vegas, and then I'm trying to get him over to kind of say hello, and he's just... Like they're Deadpan. all business. They're all, all business. business. Yeah, they were, How good. Yeah, they were all business. How good. And I was on pitch side with TNT Sports, and I'm giving Dan Sheehan a bit of a nod and Andrew Porter a bit of a nod. Obviously, we had him on the pod. And it, you just get a little nod back. That's it. You don't get a smile because they were there to make sure that they got number one seeds. They had to go and get the bonus point win to guarantee themselves number one seeding. They knew if they get the bonus point win, they get the home last 16, then they get the home quarterfinal. If they win that, then they get the home semi final as well. So they were there for business. They knew it was a big challenge and they were bloody good. I'm stood on pitch side and I, every time I do it, I don't know why I do this, but every time I'm there with TNT Sports or however I'm at a game, I'm looking at these lads going, oh my days, they're massive. All of a sudden, everyone has got much, much bigger. And I don't know if it's because I've got smaller, which I have, and we know about, but and we're further away from when we used to play. I retired in 2016, so coming up to eight years. And I'm looking at McCarthy coming down the steps at Welford Road going, he could kill How me. good was he, by the way? He was amazing. I'm like, he could kill me just by running at me. Like, it's frightening, isn't it? The size of some of them. Mm, mental. And he was just chucking it around. I was really impressed. Let's start off with the game and the opening 20 minutes you know Leicester have been slow starters at times this year and if you look at the history of the last two years they've played Leinster in the two quarterfinals 
And they've been blown away in those opening 20, 25 minutes. So they came out and they took it to Leinster like you wouldn't believe. They were smashing them. The physicality, Ollie Chesham was banging boys. Tommy Rafael was at the breakdown, competing for turnovers. I don't think they got the rub of the green from Piardi, the referee, but they really took it to them. They went down the short side a couple of times, opened the scoring. But then this Leinster team just soaked it up, soaked up the pressure, soaked up the hits, and then just exploded, didn't they? 12 Ireland internationals or however many it was, probably 12 lads that will start for Ireland against France and they were just relentless. You know, they're a champion team in all but name over the last two years in the Investec Champions Cup and they were outstanding. Leicester emptied the tanks. They went back to the well, all the cliches. They fronted up physically, but it was just wave after wave after wave from Leinster. And if you're Leicester, you'll look back on a few things. You know, the try from McCarthy, who I thought was outstanding, should never have been a try. He's been tackled by yeah, Liebenberg and Andre Pollard. And, you know, even if he's not held properly on the floor, he's got to release the ball before he gets back up to propel himself over the line. Clear as day, the referee doesn't really look at it and just says, no, 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 it is try. Well, on that, there's been a few stinkers this weekend. Let's be honest, let's keep it high energy, but there's been a few stinkers this weekend, and that was one of them. Yeah, but to all the Leinster fans, and I know we've got a massive following in Dublin, you were the way better team and deserved to win. That shouldn't have been a try, though. Secondly, you go in at half-time, 15-10 down, as Leicester do, and you have the big chats at half-time about what we're going to do, and then it was two or three Leicester errors that gifted field position. Andre Pollard misses the kick to touch. You know, they kick it back. I think Keenan put a belting kick back into the 22. Andre Pollard then kicks it down the touchline. James Lowe gets it. Bit of counter-attack. Bang, bang, bang. And eventually, you know, Leinster score from a driving line out because they've got that field position. So Leicester will be a bit annoyed with some of the errors that they made. And you can't make those errors against the top teams. And when you're talking top teams, you're talking Leinster, La Rochelle, Toulouse. You have to be on point. Whiteley slaps the ball down as well, doesn't he? Get yellow carded. And then Dan Sheehan scores from the driving line out and it's 22-10. And Leicester battled hard. They had a load of opportunities. They just weren't accurate enough. And they can be proud of their performance. But this Leinster team, both sides of the ball, were phenomenal. Well, Leicester lost a couple of players, didn't they, early on? Oli Chesham, yeah. Tommy Rafael. Yeah, it just shows you when you're playing against that, it's near on impossible. Yeah. And them small moments, isn't it? Like you mentioned, Andre Pollard. Lovely bloke, by the way. I was with him on Tuesday. And that's the thing, again, without stating the obvious, but the balance, and this isn't me talking about salary caps, but it kind of is referencing it. You look at the two teams on paper, you're going to guess the result, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the game, unless you've got a lesson that's 110%, you've got Leinster at 80%. And it wasn't that, was it? You probably had Leinster at 85% and Leicester at 70 Yeah. Question for you though, Jim. So we both agree on this. The stocks in the Leinster second rows are pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, James Ryan and McCarthy, I think they'll probably start for Ireland in the Six Nations together. They've signed RG Snyman though, as well. I'm like, how does that... Mm. How does that That's Leo, yeah. How does that even fit? Well, it fits because it doesn't fit. That's why, because he's so big. And you look at Molfall, Emmanuel Molfall at Toulouse, and you look at Will Skelton at La Rochelle, and I imagine there's these conversations happening in the background, and we'll ask RG if he's been told this because he's coming on the pod next week. But he's a player, and we saw this at the World Cup, having had massive injuries that he's had, he's got a big injury now, but at the highest level, in the biggest games, in the biggest moments... He's a specimen that has delivered. Yeah. The same as a Will Skelton, 
I imagine the same with Toulouse, with Emmanuel Molfo. Molfo! That they want him to deliver, and the same as France as well. Life doesn't produce humans like us. <laughs> like us. You're putting yourself in that bracket. Life doesn't produce humans like your Ebenezer Beth, your RG Snymans, your Peter Stefter Toys, the best team in the world, Big World Skeletons. Leinster's biggest Achilles heel has been the physical aspect of the game when they get to the knockouts. And we saw that against La Rochelle a few years ago. We've spoken about it. Does someone like RG Snyman shift the dial for them? And we were chatting in the great Matt Hampson's box, weren't we? We were, we were literally yeah. talking about Joe McCarthy and Ryan Beard at six, who can play in the second row. And James Ryan, you know, for me, I actually think out of them three, Joe McCarthy's the, probably the form second row. I thought that in the lead-up, hadn't really mentioned him loads, then watched him at the weekend and his physicality is just primed, right? But chatting to Leo Cullen after the game, we're talking about RG Simon. It's like, yeah, it's that's what it is. You get to them big games at the end and you're playing against La Rochelle or a Toulouse. Yeah. You need big humans to go, to go at big humans. So they've got the budget to do it. I can understand why they've done it. But it is a, still a weird. And again, we'll ask Argy. Like, was it? Is it weird going from Munster to Leinster, or is it Jacques Nieber that's shifted the dial for him? But undeniable, world class player coming into a world class setup. Can he shift the dial? Well, we won't see this year, but we'll see next year. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Well, Jim, you mentioned Monster then. Let's chat about their game and their defeat to 14-man Northampton Saints. How good are Saints at the minute? Finn Smith was ridiculously good. I'm looking at him and how he played. He's gone for the drop goal from 45, 46, call it 50 metres. His goal kicking, the way he controlled and managed the game in the wind, he was just ridiculous. And let's not forget they were down to 14 men because Curtis Langdon got sent off. I actually can't see why his second knee has moved forward at all. 
And I don't know why he's done it. I know he hasn't tried to knee him in the face, right? Let's be clear. There's no chance in the world Curtis Langdon has thought, I'm going to knee him square in the face here on the floor. But what are you doing? And why is your knee move forward? It's unnatural. So I think players have a responsibility. Of course they do, you know, a duty of care for their fellow professionals. And in the heat of battle, in a breakdown, that one looked to me like it was reckless. And I can see why a red card was given. Whether I agree with it or not, I don't know, because I know that Curtis Langdon's a lovely lad and there's no way he would have deliberately tried to knee someone in the face. But the optics of it don't look great. We are a little bit of a trial by TMO. And you heard all the Munster fans booing to the cowsheds and back at Terman Park. And I don't think the referee had any option but to give a red card once he sees the second knee go to the face. The first one's purely accidental and probably causes the most damage. And with this, Goody, I think that it is a bit of a weird weekend because when was the last time you saw someone got stamped on the face on purpose or by accident, Finley Bealham? Like you saw the scars on his face and the stud marks on his face. Like I haven't seen someone need in the head for a long time, even if it is accidental. So the optics, like you said, of it, it's a bit of an anomaly this weekend because I can't remember the last time I've spoken about it. Yeah. You know, I've just it's normally around clear outs and tackle heights and there's you know, the Daffy Jenkins one was ridiculous. I mean he couldn't have been any lower if you paid him fifty million pounds. Like that's as low as any yeah. six foot seven person can go. Like you couldn't be in any better tackle technique. But I think it's more because a face has been stamped on and someone's been kneading the head. So when I've had time to digest it feels like it's a bit of an anomaly. But luckily for Northampton, it didn't ruin the party for them. And in answer your question, how good are Northampton? Finn Smith, ridiculous front football. And it just shows you confidence, right? It just shows you that confidence is absolutely everything. And they're four from four out of their pool. And if you would have mapped it out early on and said, right, how are Northampton going to go for the first part of the season coming into the Six Nations? You would never have thought, well, I wouldn't have thought that they would have been fourth from four in the Champions Cup when you knew they had to go to Thoman Park and play against Munster. Just in my mind, my psyche would have been, well, that one they're going to lose. Yeah, the big thing for Saints is they're actually already qualified as group winners. So they could have sent the the bin juice over there and just said, Munster, tough place to go. We've sent the kids, we were qualified. But they went after it. They've got themselves a home last 16 and then a home quarterfinal as well if they win that. And the beauty of it is their big players stood up. And I say big players, Courtney Laws gets man of the match again. What's happening with his contract? Because his value is going north every game he plays. But he's gone in, hasn't he? Like, that's the thing with Courtney's contract. He came out, I read it somewhere, and said he had the contract that he had on, what was it, a plus one. And like now he wants to get paid his value. So he's like, right, you fuckers. (laughs) This is the old man. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's the same thing. And I think Northampton will get to that number, but it's the Peter O'Mahony. You give Courtney whatever he... Say he goes in and says, right, I'm captain. Look how I'm playing, which is undeniable. And sometimes you can't go based on man of the match, right? Because you get stupid people like us giving them man of the match and pumping up. But he deserves man of the match. It's right in what he's doing. But you're writing the check and you'd be like, mate, your age profile, you've had loads of injuries. He could sign a three-year deal on 500 spags a year yeah. and be like, well, actually... You know, and then he gets injured because he's old. Yeah, you just, I'm not saying that he's got that, but if the way that the game is now, yeah. I'd pay him 500 all day long, yeah. like I would. But I'm just... That's probably where the resistance is from Northampton. Yeah. But he makes such a difference to them. Such a difference when he's like that. 100%. Alex Mitchell was outstanding as well. Finn Smith's game management, and credit to them all. Playing against Munster in Terman Park's tough. 
doing it with 14 men and winning as well deserves a massive shout out so well done to everyone at Saints could happen Mitchell and Finn Smith 9 and 10 could happen could I'd have Mitchell starting at 9 for England I'd have Marcus Smith starting at 10 I'd have Finn Smith on the bench I'd actually say it now George Ford came back for sale at the weekend he's been out injured but you're picking Finn Smith on form ahead of him so you're picking Finn Smith and Marcus Smith as your 210s I think but we know Steve he won't probably take that gamble will he in his mind Right, we're going to talk to Jack Willis soon, Andrew. We are. But before we get him on, let's talk about his team, Toulouse versus none of our teams, Bath. No chance, Bath. Absolutely no chance. Toulouse, fully loaded, fully loaded. Absolutely going to demolish Bath because that's what Toulouse do at home. No, Bath did all right. They did very well. Watched it in the background while I was ironing and looking after the kids on Sunday. Ironing. Yes, I am a modern man. You do not iron. To, I promise you. Really? What do you mean I don't iron? <laughs> Mate, I've been ironing since I was 15. Been ironing since 1993. Mate, I have never ironed a shirt in my life. You've never ironed a shirt in your life? No, wouldn't know how to well, do it. Who irons all your shirts then? I'll take it to the dry cleaners to get ironed. Or the nanny. I iron everything, mate. I iron everything. <laughs> Is it bad that I can't iron a shirt? It's quite embarrassing now you say it. Well, well, you've got a lot of money, Andrew, so it's That's irrelevant, isn't it? It's a life skill. I have a lot of life skills. I cook, I clean. Yeah, do that. I iron. Yeah, No, don't do that. Yeah, I iron all the time. There you go. But hell of a game though, wasn't it? Unbelievable start from Toulouse, 12-0 up after about 10 minutes. And I'm thinking what you were thinking, Jim. There ain't no chance Bath are going to come back in this game. Bath went in knowing that they needed one point from the game to get a home last 16 game. And it was a hell of a ding-dong. They chucked some unbelievable shapes at Toulouse in attack. Toulouse were brilliant, flew into a lead. Then they sat off a little bit and Bath took the game to them. I thought Ollie Lawrence's try just before half-time was the line that he takes there. There ain't no stopping him on that. I thought Ajomo in the centres was class as well. Finn was pulling the strings. In the back row, Miles Reed played at eight and was brilliant. I watched Detoy and we talked about him a few weeks ago, didn't we? when we had Van Graham yeah. on. Detoy was off the charts good. Wicked. Ridiculous. Wicked. And that's the issue, right? When you're playing like that in France against Toulouse. He's getting a big contract You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So that like, as in, especially now in that position, we, like you said, you spoke about him before. Johan Van Graham was talking about him, talking about him off air as well. Spoken about him there. Spoke about him after the game as well. And that's the issue, right? Because tight heads are like gold dust and he is carving up both in the loose and in the scrum. Yeah, and he can play both sides as well of the scrum, so... Exactly. Moneymaker! <laughs> yeah, but then it was a good game, and, you know, Bath will look back at it, and they chased after the four-try bonus point, didn't they? So they were going after that, thinking that's the way of scoring a point and getting the guaranteed home last 16 game. If it was a different game, if it was a knockout game or a pool game where they didn't just need one point, I think they'd have taken some of the penalties, the shots at goal that they had, and they may have won the game differently. But... They'll be frustrated they came away with nothing because their performance was tip-top. Toulouse showed how good they are. DuPont, off the charts, good. Thomas Ramos was unbelievable at 10. At 10, can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know what I mean, though? As in just how good he is at 10. Yeah. Well, he's playing because Untermax injured still. He'll go to full-back. Well, actually, will Thomas Ramos even get in the team when Untermax back? Because Blair Kinghorn was pretty good at full-back as well, wasn't he? Yeah, mate, it's Thomas Ramos, mate. Yeah. I, come on, you, you're jesting now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I am. You are jesting. I am, but that's yeah. what I mean. But when you look at Toulouse, right, when you look at Toulouse play, and yeah, Bath were very good, but Toulouse, third, fourth gear, just that relationship between the players, like the chip over the top, yeah. just 
phenomenal how they play and they've got some cheat codes haven't they like Emmanuel Molfall for example when you've got someone like him in your team and you've got someone like Jack Willis who's turning ball over for fun how good him not getting picked is an absolute I'm going to say it's a bit of a travesty if you're an English fan because you're watching how good he is how well he's playing should we get him on and let's see what he says about it should we ask him it's pointless me going on yeah let's get, let's get, get him, on. him on let's get him on let's get him on what a legend let's do it well, we're now joined, Jim, by the Toulouse turnover maestro and my old teammate, kind of, because I'd retired just before he started pulling up trees at Wasp. It's Jack Willis joins us. How are you, pal? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. How are things after the weekend? Watched it on TV in the comfort of my armchair, making judgment calls, but you were very good again. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was good to good to get the win. Bath have been very good this season and yeah, was a was a tough game. We started off quite well and I think we fell off it quite quickly, but it shows a team like Bath will stay in it for 80. So um, yeah, pleased to get that result and, and finish where we did it so far out of the groups. Mate, ridiculous performance from you and a lot of other boys on the team. First question is, did you count how many turnovers you got? And secondly, did you go up to Mirfu after the game and say, how have you got man in the match when I've just dominated? <laughs> uh, look, I always, always look at the numbers back to, to make sure uh, and, and when I'm doing my reviews and stuff. But uh, look, Manny's, uh, as you guys know now, seeing him in the European games, I'm not sure if you've watched sort of many of our top 14 games as well, but He's one hell of a ball carrier and one hell of a player. I think France have, have got some player coming into the mix this Six Nations for them and a top bloke as well. I'm never too worried if it's him uh, taking the Man of Match award. Always very happy for him. Mate, you, you say you count the stats, but you didn't give us the answer. How many turnovers did you get? Ten? <laughs> I think it was I think it was four at the weekend. I think it was four. We'll call it ten. We'll call it ten. <laughs> Just round up. Always round up. Jack, I know you get asked this question. What's it like being at Toulouse? Just try and give us an idea, because it's like the Real Madrid. It's like the Galacticos of world rugby. There ain't a better team on paper, even to watch, and the superstars. Talk us through it, mate. It's sort of not just what you see at at the weekend, which is the best bit for me. I think seeing the quality in training and seeing the standards of training and how hard those boys work, it's not just that they end up at that level that they play at with a bit of luck. Those boys graph week in, week out and the training sessions, uh, we we run a hell of a lot during the week, train hard and push each other. And I think the thing that I love the most about being here is for me, I've always wanted to be a player that pushes my own standards, but brings something to the team each week. And that's a challenge here to, to add to this team in training, to add to this team in games is a challenge because of the quality you've got. And I think I, I really enjoy the fact that I go into work each day surrounded by by quality players quality blokes that that want to push themselves and want to want to win trophies and that is that is something special at this club for sure obviously things happened last season with wasps you end up going to toulouse on that short-term deal. Now, I watched the top 14 final. Was it a pinch-yourself moment? You've won the top 14 final after being made redundant at Wasps just a few months before. Going through hell previously to that with your knee injury and everything that went with it, you must be in absolute heaven over there. Pretty much straight after we won, obviously there's the chaos, you're running around, but I remember looking up to my family in the crowd once we'd done a whole lap, got back round to my family, and I just looked at them all and sort of have teared up really because... They've been through all this this last year with me. It's never just me that, that went through it. Obviously, my brother went through the exact same thing I did. My family, Megan, her family, and Tom's partner as well. We, we all lived it. And 
I think looking up to them was a bit of a, I just thought straight back to everything that had happened at Wasps and everything that we all went through. And, and I just felt incredibly grateful. Like there's a lot of friends of mine that haven't gone on to have the same level of opportunity that, that we all had at Wasps or haven't gone back into rugby. They've, they've just packed it in. And I think it's incredibly sad. And I think with sport, quite naturally, you move on from things quite quickly. I think whether that's good or bad, things that happen, you move on to because it's the next game, the next week or the next bit of news. And I think for people that experience what happened at Wasp, what the guys at Irish, the guys at Worcester, you'll always bear that scar. I'll always be grateful for the opportunities Wasp gave me because, yeah, if it, if it wasn't for them, I, I would have never got into professional rugby and, and had the opportunity that I did. So I, I'll, I owe a lot to Wasp. And yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's incredibly sad what happened. But going back to Toulouse, I'm, I'm, I'll always be grateful for the opportunity they've given me. And just on that, Jack, then we'll get into a bit of business then because it is the headline chat. Obviously, you're godfather the great Lawrence Delalio is a big fan of yours and you hear how he speaks about you and how he doesn't agree with the RFU not picking players that are outside the premiership like yourself interviewed Harry Arundel pitch side after the Racing 92 versus Bath match as well another quality player just like yourself that can't be picked now what's been said by the powers that be if you can share some of that information with things like this there's always lots to consider and Henry probably feels the same and other guys that that went through their club folding. I think the fact is, I wouldn't be playing in France if Wasps hadn't gone bust. That's a fact. I didn't have in my mind that I was going to be going off to France. And I'm sure Henry Henry had the exact same thing. I just, I had another year or two on my contract at Wasps and probably would have been into re-signing. Then you look at it and go, well, when it happened, I didn't have another op- a viable opportunity in England to, to provide for my family that was even close to the salary I was on at Wasps. It wasn't, there wasn't anything that, that was there for me in England. So Salou's reached out and gave me this opportunity to then go on and have a season with them where we win a trophy. And I experienced the incredible support here, the incredible club. They took me in from, from day one. I felt welcome here. And I think to then turn my back on that because of a rule, it felt like a quick decision to make. I think the hard thing for me is I've absolutely loved playing for England and, and I love playing for England There was a time where I think I and others felt like after what had happened at Wasps and Worcester and and Irish, the rumours started sort of lingering coming out of the Six Nations that it it seemed that it was heading away where there was going to be some slight exceptions for the guys that that had lost their jobs or or guys that did go out there. But then I think there had to be a wider view of, of they wanted to look at the premiership. They wanted to look at what that would do to the premiership and what that then means for England even further in the future. And there's lots of things to consider. I think in my personal situation, I'd love to stay at Toulouse and I'd love to play for England as well. Right now, they don't feel that's something they want to move forward with. And I understand that. I don't necessarily want that. I think being honest, I'd I'd love to be able to do both. But the back row is incredibly competitive. It's not like they're lacking for choice. The, The guys went incredibly well at the World Cup and there's been a great, exciting squad that's been picked for the Six Nations. I think... For me, I want to be involved in that and I want to be challenging myself. But I guess coming off the back of the World Cup as well, I, I felt like I sort of saw where I was in the pecking order and I, and I needed to focus on on improving my game. And, and to lose, I felt like it was the best place to do that. Are the players worried that are in the Prem? I know a lot of the WASP guys are now playing over in Italy. They're at Benetton. Do you have any conversations with the lads? What's the top 14 like? Because there is, not, I'm not going to say an exodus, but there's a lot of players that are leaving and considering going to Japan, things that they've not done before. Do you think there's a genuine concern with some players playing in the Prem? I think what happened last season opened everyone's eyes up to how vulnerable 
you can be as a player, how vulnerable teams can be if things aren't going the right way financially. And I think as as players, when, when everything happened at WAS, you look at someone like Joe Launchbury, who had played at WAS his whole career, would have probably carried on and retired at WAS realistically, to then go and, and play out in Japan, I think he would have eat. Well, I, I know he would have had opportunities out in France as well. And those those things to suddenly come up when you've been a, a sort of a one club man is is quite strange. And I guess it's just opened everyone's eyes up to your career is short. It can it can change through injuries, through your, your club club folding and other things like that, other variables. And you need to make sure you've maximised it in, and made sure you've achieved the things you want want to achieve and experience the things you you want to experience. How do you feel seeing launches in a Quinn shirt then? Doesn't look right, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it? It doesn't, if I'm honest. It doesn't, if I'm honest. I mean, I obviously only ever play for Wasp, but from watching Wasp growing up to the day we all left, I think when you think of Wasp, you think of Joe Launchbury. And uh, yeah, to see him in a Quinn shirt is certainly strange, but I love that bloke. He's a, he's a top man and whatever club he's at, he's, he's going to be adding a hell of a lot. Last thing I'll ask you about Toulouse then, my old coach, Ugo Moller, running the show there, he absolutely detested the English lads. So for you to get a contract, then extend your contract, and he's talking <laughs> like in big things about how you're playing and you as a person. How is he? Because he's got the most arrogant strut down the touchline. Does he still hate the English as much as he did when I was at Breathe with him or what? <laughs> I think that just might have been you, Goody. I'm oh, not sure, mate. Well, there's about seven no, of us there. <laughs> I've been trying my best to, to, to break that down. Um, I think learning very and trying to speak very poor French along the way has, has hopefully helped that a little bit. But... Um, I'm hoping that I've sort of paved the way so that we're starting to sign some some Brits with Blair Kinghorn coming over as well. I've showed him that we're not all bad. That's that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Good man. I don't want to get political. <laughs> I don't want to get political, but he doesn't see himself as British, what he says. He's Scotland to leave. I know. I'm sorry. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, Jack, last question from me, mate. Last question. Uh, do you have to get sign-off to come on this podcast off Lawrence Delalio? I know that he's taking you under his wing. You've named your child after his child. I'm hearing all these things that there's a crossover oh, from the Godfather. Is that what you're saying? Okay. That's what he's saying. Is he right? Just chat to him much. You lean on him much. Yeah, look, he, he was he was very supportive throughout my throughout my time at WAS. And as everyone knows, he, he was an incredible player. And I think someone that I looked up to growing up and being able to sort of bounce off him throughout my time at WAS was great. And I think you could he came in and spoke numerous times at WAS throughout my time there. And you saw what an incredible leader he was. And yeah, we, look, we've kept in touch a few times throughout was and, and since I've left as well he's he's been he's been very supportive of me and I'm, I'm grateful for that awesome awesome well thanks buddy really appreciate you coming on Jack good luck for the rest of the season no doubt we'll be seeing more of you lifting trophies in France over the next few years we hope to see you in England shirt again one day and good luck against Sia Khaleesi in the last 16 because that will be an absolute belter won't it oh, thank you very much guys yeah appreciate it awesome Jack class to have you on mate cheers buddy thanks lads top, top lad. lad yeah he is he is do you know what for a and he's not a young man anymore, but he is quite young still. He is years ahead of where he should be in terms of him as a person, how he carries himself, how he thinks about things. Uh, really mature bloke, bloody hell of a player as well, and has been through hell and back. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Going through hell and back, you have to grow up, don't you? Oh, yeah. Not just with what happened at Wasp, but you think about his back-to-back injuries that he had as well. So fair play to him. It's one of them where it's a story for another day, isn't it? But I reckon we'll see him... And players like Henry back in the England squad. I don't think you can keep denying what's going on, right? Yeah. I think there's going to be a conversation that needs to be had. Let's hope we see him back in an England jersey then, eh? I think we will. I think we will. Or you will. You will. We. I'm you Scottish. said it then. You said we. 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 Andrew, we've not spoken about all the games. 
but the round of 16 is upon us. You're a big fan of the round of 16. Nick Mullins is throwing in the mix of potentially doing a different kind of draw next year. What do you reckon? Well, he- Old school FA Cup style. I, I basically think he's saying, get Jim and Goody to draw it on the rugby pod. How funny would that be? It would be hilarious. Yeah. I'd fudge it though. Yeah, you would. You would. Yeah, I would. I'd go like Toulouse versus Harlequins at home. <laughs> Harlequins aren't allowed any fans. <laughs> yeah. Bath, away at La Rochelle. You can't pick Finn. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a clip for you though, right? I reckon if we did it, you'd end up doing something like what Rod Stewart did. If anyone ever sees what Rod Stewart did when he did a Scottish football draw, I think he was off his rocker, steaming, and he's literally hands coming over the top. That a boy. It'd be comedy. Anyway, Nick Mullins wants a last 16, all the balls in the bag, draw them out, bit of fun, and make it entertain that way. And he's got a point. But my sort of take on it is you go through the pool stages. The beauty of the Investec Champions Cup this weekend was I think all the games bar one had something on it, which I think was Stade Francais against the Stormers. I loved how that's all come together. But then you've got to reward teams for how well they've done in the group. So the seedings around the home last 16 ties, I think, are really important. And everyone's complaining now that there's loads of rematches from the group stages in the last 16 games. You've got Leicester going over to Leinster again. You've got Northampton against Munster. Bordeaux against Saracens. Again, that's a repeat of a group game. Stormers against La Rochelle. And, I don't like it. And Bulls versus Leon. Yeah, I don't like it. But I just think that's a consequence of, of what's happened. It's really hard. Mm. You can do a draw and that can still be the same, right? You could still end up with similar teams playing against each other. So I think you do something like the top eight teams are seeded and then you can draw eight names out of the hat FA Cup style for the away fixtures and then quarterfinals and semifinals can all be out of the hat can't they in the FA Cup style it's so confusing for me though we were talking about it weren't we and I can't consume that information when you write it down like I have to be walked through it and if I've happened to be not that I'm an intelligent man at all but obviously I'm close to the game right so trying to talk about that and sell it to people all the different permutations, there yeah. must be an easier way to do it. Well, there must be. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I think what you could, how you could change it is for the last 16, you have to go pool one play against pool four, for example, and pool two play against pool three. So if you have the top four in each pool, they all qualify, right? So the top two of pool one play the bottom two that's qualified from pool four in the last 16 and so on and so forth. So you can do it that way, and I probably haven't explained that that well, to be honest, but you then avoid, in the last 16, the same teams playing from the same pools, but then you can go quarterfinals, semifinals, all out of the hat. So you all do it FA Cup style. So there is a merit to what Nick Mullins has said, but also I do think you need to reward success in the pools with a home tie because you have gone to war for four games and you deserve to come away with, if you've won the group or come second in the group, a home last 16 game. But that's a chat for another day. And the more intelligent brains than yours and mine put together, Jim, will come up with a solution, hopefully. Right, Andrew, let's move this dance forward with the good, the bad and the ugly. Sponsored by com, Andrew. We're is gonna sponsor it? It's a sponsor segment now. Is it? Yeah, you keep for that. I it am. It is now. It is now. I am. Can I get some fucking product, though? Because I still haven't had any. 
have you checked in your shed or not? Because I'm sure that you've stashed in all the mallandbrawl.com stash all in there. I think it's full to the brim. Yeah. Well, I haven't had any. Anyway, let's start off with the good. And we're going to start off with Lewis Reese Zamet's move to the NFL. I'm absolutely pumped for him. I think it's amazing. It's great news for him rugby in general so he gets a shout in the good for that Rob the producer is going to be a happy man today because Newcastle are going what's to get, happened Newcastle are getting a shout in the good Steve Diamond effect well it wasn't even the Steve Diamond effect he's written on a bit of paper his name and he's coming but it's the Mickey Ward effect massive shout out to Mickey Ward Played one as head coach interim head coach won one the boys won down at Perpignan do you hear what he did no no warm-up pre-game. He brought in 150 tins of Carlsberg and said, <laughs> there are other drinks available, and said, everyone, we are not going out to play until every single one of these tins is gone. Every tin gone. Went out there and pulled Perpin Poo's pants down. There you go. So they've gone out mortal. And boy. They've uh, dominated Perpin. Yeah, yeah, so big shout-out to the Newcastle Falcons boys and especially Mickey Ward. Freddie Clark gets a mention in the goo this week for his try against Cast. I'm looking... Luke. Mate, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, Jim Hamilton... Da, 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 da. What Maradona Hamilton? Uh, exactly. Da, 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 da. Yeah, the little chip over. Yeah, it was class. Yeah, it's a big shout out to Freddie Clark for that. Gloucester get the win as well. So well done to those boys. Leinster get a shout out in the good this week. Massive performance at Leicester Tigers, number one seeds. Well done to those boys. La Rochelle get a mention in the good as well. They dispatched Sale and Ron Nogara's interview and his honesty as a head coach saying that. Will Skelton, Big Willie, Little Willie, Big Weenie Antonio, Little Weenie Antonio, who ain't so weenie, and Lavani Bottia, they all just do what they want, lads. They don't. Who's 63. They, yeah, yeah, of course. They yeah. don't need to train. They're just worldies on the weekend. So the fact that O'Gara can manage them and gets the best out of them by treating them in a way that suits them and then talks about it openly, I thought he was brilliant, O'Gara, as ever. So well done to all the La Rochelle boys. Harlequins get a mention in the good this week, Jim. They absolutely smashed Ulster to get a home last 16 games. So big shout out to the Quins boys. I know you were happy with that performance, weren't you, James? Over the moon. Absolutely buzzing. <laughs> yeah. And seeing Joe Marler untie people's shoes at breakdowns, I'm just thinking banter all the way <laughs> Banter, banter, banter. The Stormers get a shout out in the good as well. They won away at Stade Francais to get a home last 16 game as well. The Toulouse-Bath game gets a shout out in the good. Absolutely belting Sunday match. But the winners of the good this week are Northampton Saints and Finn Smith, specifically for his performance. A huge away victory at Munster and Toman Park. Tough place to go. They've gone there, done it with 14 men for a big part of that game. So a massive shout out to Northampton Saints, Finn Smith, Alex Mitchell and Courtney Laws. They get the good this week. The bad few bits are bad. We're going to start off with Stade Francais. Played four, lost four in the Investec Champions Cup. Toulon, likewise, they're going to get a mention the bad. Played four, lost four. Cardiff, they're going to get a mention the bad as well. Played four, lost four. Who else gets a mention the bad this week? Ulster, they got absolutely dominated by Harlequins in a game they needed to win to qualify. They weren't at the races, so they get a mention in the bad this week. But the bad this week goes to Elton Yankees, who's got a four-year ban for performance-enhancing drugs. Absolutely ridiculous. Elton Yankees from World Cup winner in 2019 as part of the Springbok squad to an absolute disgrace. And the ugly. few bits of ugly this week. We're going to start off with Josh Coldfield's red card. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was reckless. It certainly wasn't on purpose, but you do not put your big size 15 boot on my friend Finley Bealham's face 
and he got red carded. Curtis Langdon gets a mention in the ugly this week for his knee and red card. Grant Gilchrist gets a mention in the ugly this week. Two yellow cards for two high shots. Jim, will he get a ban? I don't know. He's got history, though. He can bang a man as well. Very good tackler, notoriously, but yeah too high there we go but the ugly this week goes to Joe Hawkins from the Exeter Chief 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 Chiefs he got a red card for a very high shot head on head not a good look at all so that's why he wins the ugly this week lovely well we've got a couple of shout outs Goody I'm going to go first because it's a Moreland Brawl purchaser he's part of the Moreland Brawl family it's a big happy birthday to Gareth Moore from Traverth is that how you say it Travath Travath don't even know what that is sounds Welsh but it's his mate Brian Cook I think he bought him the Moreland Brawl. So hopefully that's gone down well. And if you want to buy Moreland Brawl, morelandbrawl.com. Sponsors the good, the bad and the ugly. Andrew, you've got a shout out as well, haven't you? There we go. I do as well. It's a happy 70th birthday shout out for Phil Robery. Met him at Leicester Tigers on Saturday with his daughter. Lovely bloke. Happy 70th, Phil. Hope you've had a belting week. Happy 70th. Well, thanks, Andrew. Thank you, James. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well as making sure you're subscribed on... Spotify. And that's because it's Rugby Spot. Spotty Pod, 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 Pod. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.